Iran thinks this part of the world is it's on fire, yeah, because of U.S. foreign policy. The nuclear agreement of 2016 cooled tensions between the U.S. and Iran, but major disagreements remain. Most Iranians oppose U.S. foreign policy in the region, and young Iranians in particular oppose U.S.-backed wars in Iraq, Afghanistan, and Yemen. They also have strong criticisms of their own government, especially the high unemployment rate and censorship of the Internet. Conservative and reformist leaders in Iran are battling to win support from young people. This is Making Contact. I'm Monica Lopez. Freelance correspondent Reese Ehrlich explores these issues from Tehran with the special program, Iran Belongs to Its Youth. Bodybuilders strain as they pump iron to the beat of the music at this local gym in central Tehran. 25-year-old Avasta Yazdi works here as a receptionist, but does a lot more. Also, if you have questions, I answer them. I'm also undergoing programs for being a coach. Uh, what we call a personal trainer. Yes. Yazdi also works as a part-time sports reporter at a small newspaper. Between the two jobs, he puts in 12 to 14 hour days. When do you sleep? It's difficult to find time for that, but at night. <laughs> Yazdi is not alone. Iran is facing an economic recession. For years, the U.S. imposed harsh economic sanctions here, and Iranians resent outside interference in their country. But Iranian governments have also mismanaged the economy and engaged in widespread corruption. So who do young people blame for their problems? We're in a car on our way to Yazdi's apartment in a gritty, working-class neighborhood of South Tehran. Yazdi says he earns about $300 per month working his two jobs. I can afford, I can pay for my basic needs with that, like transportation, food, other things. But uh, it is not enough. I cannot uh, spend it on the things I wish. I mean, bigger things, maybe the things that I like. It says uh, my dream is to become a big bodybuilder, but it's a very expensive uh, sport. And uh, now I cannot afford that. And I have to suffice to eating uh, eggs. <laughs> White eggs, eggs bites. So we're here. Yes. Watch out for the cars. Let me get up and open the door for you. So that's all. The concrete block buildings here in South Tehran contrast sharply with the modern skyscrapers in the wealthy northern parts of the city. In North Tehran, BMWs cruise the streets. Here, beat-up old Iranian cars navigate their way through narrow alleys. Should we take off our shoes? No. Yazdi lives with his grandmother in a modest, two-bedroom apartment. She brings tea and sweet pastries. Merci. Oh, 
دست شما درد نکنه زحمت کشیدیم Yazdi explains that politics in Iran's working-class neighborhoods are volatile. Many people here vote for religious and populist conservatives, but others, like himself, voted for centrist President Hassan Rouhani, who has held office since 2013. Rouhani has support both because he's a religious leader and because he negotiated the nuclear deal, which should eliminate sanctions. I remember when he was uh, elected, we were all happy and uh, uh, went on to the streets and celebrated. And uh, the fact that he helped the uh, uh, lifting of sanctions was a very good thing to do. And although we have not yet seen the concrete results in our uh, daily lives of economic improvement uh, as a result of lifting sanctions, but the overall uh, uh, spirit and morale of people is much better and they're hopeful because of uh, his, uh, the things he has done. Iranian youth under 25 make up 41% of the population. Fouad Azadi, an associate professor at the University of Tehran, says young people, like most Iranians, blame U.S. sanctions for many of the country's problems. Iranians were unable to get certain goods even though they were officially allowed by the sanctions. Thousands of people have died in the last few years for not having access to things that are not sanctioned, for example, medicine. We have some difficulties with uh, hospital equipment and things of that nature. So these people who have lost their lives, they're hit the hardest. And um, there are people who have lost jobs because of sanctions. And while young Iranians want to see greater freedoms in their country, that doesn't mean they like U.S. prescriptions for gaining that freedom. Even after signing the nuclear accord, for example, the U.S. continues to threaten Iran with military attack by saying it keeps all options on the table. Azadi says most Iranians question U.S. claims that it's bringing democracy to the Middle East. Azadi says most Iranian youth also strongly oppose U.S. foreign policy in the region. Iran thinks this part of the world is it's on fire, yeah, because of U.S. foreign policy. Um, Iranian officials think, a lot of Iranian people think that it was a mistake for U.S. to invade Iraq. They think it was a mistake for U.S. to invade Afghanistan. They think it was a mistake for U.S. to give arms and uh, money to whoever was fighting the Assad government. And this is what the U.S. did, U.S. allies did. They think it's a mistake for U.S. to announce that they are giving intelligence to Saudi bombers when they're killing civilians in Yemen. So these are serious mistakes, and you know when you make mistakes, there are going to be consequences. Young Iranians are not happy with their own government either. Many came of age during the 2009 Green Movement when millions of Iranians poured into the streets to demand fundamental changes in Iran's political and economic system. But the government brutally crushed the protests. In recent years, a reform movement has developed in Iran, people who want to keep the Islamic system but improve it through gradual change. Javad Etat, 
an associate professor of political science at Beheshti University, says Iran has a generation gap like many other countries. It's natural that there are generational differences of opinion. The young generation is more modern. The older generation is more traditional. Like everywhere in the world, the young are more radical. The majority of the reform movement is young people. Iranian reformists want an end to tight religious controls on daily life and want freedom to criticize the government. Professor Atat says most young people want significant change, but not an overthrow of the Islamic system. Right now, no one believes in the need for another revolution. When you make a revolution, as we did in 1979, you don't need another one right away. Those who protest are looking for reform. Opinion polls show young Iranians strongly supported the nuclear agreement between Iran and Western powers, which was implemented in early 2016. Iran agreed to strict inspections of its nuclear power program in return for lifting of most economic sanctions. Standing at a kiosk outside the University of Tehran, some young men are discussing the nuclear accord. Merdad Barati, a 24-year-old medical student, explains that Western powers have isolated Iran. He supports the agreement and the lifting of sanctions. I think it has a positive effect on the students of the university uh, because we are studying to build a, a better country and it's, it makes easier for us to have a connection to uh, other countries of the world. I think it's going to be easier yeah. for us to uh, study abroad and then come back to our country and uh, serve as a doctor. But some other young people remain critical of the nuclear deal, as we found in random interviews in Tehran's famous bazaar. Thousands of shoppers descend into Tehran's historic bazaar, a covered marketplace. Small stores sell everything from cosmetics to hand-knotted rugs. The bazaar is ancient Persia's version of a shopping mall. A young shopper named Sarah, who only gave her first name, says the U.S. will insist on inspections of military and research sites, not because of actual nuclear bomb-making, but in order to disrupt Iran's peaceful nuclear power program. What have we gained in this deal? Our government didn't keep its promises. It was bad for national security. Our officials have to work under surveillance. Our nuclear scientists have to work under surveillance. This will reduce our ability to do scientific research. Sarah reflects the views of Iranian conservatives who never agreed with the accord in the first place. In the U.S., hawks argue that Iran can't be trusted to live up to the terms of the nuclear accord. Iranian conservatives reflect the mirror image of that view. As the call to prayer echoes from a nearby mosque, conservative member of parliament Ruhola Hosseinian sits in his office. He says the accord won't allow Iran to produce enough nuclear fuel to run its one nuclear power plant. And it will allow the U.S. to spy on Iran's military bases under the guise of inspections. 
Under the terms of the accompanying UN resolution, the signatories to the agreement can reimpose sanctions by a majority vote. Iran, he says, can't trust U.S. promises. So has this deal brought for this Iranian nation? What benefits has it brought? He's asking as a question. Yeah. We have seen from the United States has always been reneging. As the recent secure, UN security resolution mentioned, that uh, if any of the countries uh, in the agreement, um, you know, they say that Iran hasn't respected the deal, uh, the sanctions will be implemented again. So it's like a hammer above our head. In fact, the success of the nuclear deal expanded political support for Rouhani and his reformist allies. Interviewed at random on a street corner, 25-year-old student Farzad Yazdunet says he supports Rouhani's policies and would like to see even greater changes in nuclear policy. Iran does not need uh, nuclear energy because uh, other energies here are cheaper and the reason that uh, uh, Iran is uh, pursuing nuclear energy is only because of regional rivalry. And for 14 years we've been, I mean, under sanctions for that. You're listening to Making Contact. In a few moments, we'll have more about Reese Ehrlich's story, Iran Belongs to Its Youth. We'll be right back. For more information about this or past shows or to make a difference by supporting our work, go to radioproject.org. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. Our handle is making underscore contact. While the discussion about nuclear power has become more open, a solid majority of Iranians support development of a nuclear program. They see developing it as a matter of national pride, the need for Iran to create energy independence no matter what the financial cost or safety concerns. That's one of the reasons poor and working-class Iranians voted for conservative President Mahmoud Ahmadinejad, who was president from 2005 to 13. Gym employee worker Yazdi. To the south of Tehran, uh, yes, they uh, favored Ahmadinejad, but not all of them, of course. To them, maybe they thought that uh, he was more religious. Ahmadinejad and other conservatives make extravagant populist promises, saying they will redistribute the country's oil wealth to the people. So it shouldn't be surprising that poor and working-class Iranians support right-wing populists, says Professor Azadi. Those conservatives have the same appeal as U.S. presidential candidate Donald Trump. Both of them share a lot of similarities. They speak their mind. They don't worry about being politically correct. Uh, both of them cater to uh, people's fears. There is a populist appeal. That is how Ahmadinejad became president, because we have more poor people than rich people in Iran. 
Ultimately, however, Ahmadinejad alienated working-class youth and most Iranians because during his rule, inflation hit 40% and unemployment went to double digits. His government became known for a high level of corruption. So the people elected a centrist, Hassan Rouhani. Real power, however, continues to rest with conservatives, the Supreme Leader, Judiciary, Revolutionary Guard, and Security Services. These conservatives, much like right-wingers in the U.S., use religion to bolster their rule. Conservative parliamentarian Hassanian claims many young Iranian people are devoted to Shia Islam, and that devotion leads them to support the conservative cause. We have a history of 50 years of trying to shift the Iranian thoughts towards Western and Western influence, yeah. And if you look at, the, at it at the other way, after the revolution, there's a huge amount of youth uh, who are uh, going towards religion. And uh, before the revolution, if you went to the University of Tehran's uh, praying mosque, you would see only, like, with the count of the hand, uh, amount of people uh, doing the prayers there. But if you go to the Tehran University right now, these days, the prayers are held two times because it gets full and it gets empty, so they have to do it two times. Professor Etat concedes that some youth support the conservatives for religious reasons, but he emphasizes that religious practice doesn't necessarily mean support for right-wing politics. We have young people who are very religious right now. The generation that took part in the revolution and fought the eight-year war with Iraq were the youth in the pre-revolution era. The current popularity of religion doesn't mean support for the government. Religion runs deep in Iran because of the culture. It's the young people's personal belief, and it's not related to politics. It's because of Shia beliefs. For most young people, economics, not religion, is their biggest concern. Iran has almost 11% unemployment and 9% inflation. And for the past 10 years, youth unemployment stayed at a stubborn 25%. The economy has suffered from Western sanctions, but also from government corruption and mismanagement. In 2016, the country's conservatives and reformists waged a fierce political struggle on how to improve the economy. Saeed Lelaz, a leading reformist economist, says the Rouhani government should rely on foreign investment and the private sector to spur the economy. We have to change the situation. We have to liberalize the economy. We are in a very bad situation from economic point of view, from unemployment rate, especially among the youth. But we are optimistic about the future. We could be able to attract a huge amount of foreign investment, and private sector is quite hopeful about the future. Leila's calls for the eventual privatization of Iran's national oil company and argues that the highly centralized and largely state-controlled economy must be broken up. State capitalism means low productivity, high corruption. We waste a lot of sources, we waste a lot of money, and as byproduct, we have had, because of this situation, despotism in the country. According to Azadi, this alternative model looks suspiciously like policies advocated by right-wing U.S. American economists. He says in Iran, conservatives favor state control of the economy, while the reformers promote free market capitalism. 
there are more American PhDs in Rohani's cabinet that, than there are in Obama's cabinet. So they generally follow the market economy principles that are taught in American universities. So that means less government subsidies, that means uh, more incentives for corporations and companies, less taxes, the same things that you hear from Republican candidates. According to Azadi, Rouhani has taken a huge gamble that removal of sanctions will pave the way for greater foreign investment and economic growth. He warns there will be big problems if the nuclear agreement isn't fully implemented. What his critics are saying is that he should have planned his economic policies in a manner that some of these economic problems are fixed, whether or not you have an agreement or not. He shouldn't have put so much faith in the success of these talks, because although the talks have produced an agreement, uh, who knows if the agreement is going to uh, be accepted by the people who are going to run the U.S. But Rouhani is plowing ahead with economic reform that he hopes will help young people. Iran has announced investment deals with numerous European countries. The government is encouraging private companies to hire more workers in return for massive tax breaks. While Iranian youth's economic future remains unclear, there is one area in which they already prosper, widespread use of social media. Drivers honk their horns in a futile effort to get through a street packed with cars. The medical students interviewed earlier eagerly discussed the latest social media app called Telegram, a messaging program like WhatsApp. Medical student Merhad Barati and two friends praised Telegram, which was originally developed by Ukrainian activists fighting repression. Are many young people using Telegram now? Yeah. Yes. yeah. Is that very popular? Yeah. yeah. Is it the most popular? Uh, actually, actually, right now it is. Yeah. And why? What is, what's so good about it? Uh, uh, it's uh, really fast and uh, you can send uh, voice messages and uh, pictures uh, which uh, you cannot send in uh, WhatsApp. And, yeah. Oh, I see. If you have a girlfriend, is there a fast way to contact her? Yeah, <laughs> yeah actually it is. Especially. <laughs> but does she answer you back? Yeah, yeah of course. Why not? <laughs> Telegram usage has upended Iranian life, according to Merdad Kadir editor of the Hope of Youth Weekly. You know, this, this is a weird incident that has changed the Iranian family also. Telegram is like on top. Social media is, is not like before. Telegram has spread the use of like Facebook we had before and social media to, to arrange meetings and stuff. It's Telegram that does it right now. And what it has done is it has changed the Iranian families. He says, like, you go to an Iranian family, the, the dad is looking at his cell phone, the girl is looking at his cell phone. If I want to, like, tell my daughter to bring me water, I, I just tell her on Telegram to bring me water. Kadir points out that while wealthy Iranians can afford to buy a smuggled iPhone 6, which costs about $700, working-class Iranians have access to no-frills Chinese Huawei smartphones for only $80. The difference is just only on the brand. Everyone can buy it. 
like this the prices are like one third of the prices of an iPhone, even less, or maybe more. It depends on the brand you want, Samsung, LG. This has made it possible for like the boss to the lowest employee to buy different ranges of cell phones. According to one academic study, 45% of Iranians go online, making them by far the highest per capita internet users in the Middle East. But many websites critical of the government are blocked by the authorities. Most young people know how to circumvent those restrictions, says gym worker Yazdi. All they have to do is download a VPN or virtual private network, which allows them to access banned websites. Have you ever run into problems of censorship or where you tried to um, access particular sites, uh, but they're blocked? Uh, <laughs> that's a difficult question. I'm <laughs> If that website is worth it, worth the effort, then I use VPN. Go get VPN and use it. The one I use is free. Professor Azadi admits that the government can be clumsy in its filtering of websites. I think the people who are doing the filtering, some of them don't speak English. So they, they see a picture that they don't like and they filter and they don't realize that the content may be of use to some people. So that, that is a problem. Okay. <laughs> the Iranian government blocks Facebook and Twitter because they were used by activists during the 2009 protests. Many news sites such as BBC and Vice News are also blocked. Parliament member Hosanian justifies the censorship by blaming foreign powers. He says the U.S. and Britain constantly try to undermine Iran's government through the Internet as well as broadcasts on TV and radio. You can see nowadays that the, the Western countries, the United States and the other countries, are trying all they can to change the Iranian culture towards the Western culture. These TV stations and the radio stations, which are established by the support of the Americans, shows that they are willing to change the culture of Iranians towards themselves. Uh, and why the government should interfere, it's natural that the government should defend its own culture. In one of the great ironies of modern Iran, the blocked media remain easily accessible. Iranians can pay $100 to buy a satellite dish with no monthly fees and receive the illicit broadcasts. Professor Atat says most young people would like to see far greater access to the Internet and faster connection speeds, which would facilitate video downloads. If it were up to me, I would make the Internet much faster to make it easier to use social media. But it's up to the government. Even a liberal government would want to keep the social media in line with its own beliefs. Jim Worker Yazdi acknowledges that Iranians are going through difficult times, but they are happy to see economic sanctions lifted and hope that Iran's bad reputation internationally will improve soon. I did not uh, know that uh, most of the people or many people have that kind of uh, negative impression about Iran and Iranian people. I uh, thought it was, uh, you know, only some people, and uh, I hear that they call Iranians terrorists or they are bad people. 
My suggestion to them, to uh, uh, Europeans and Americans, is that not to judge and just uh, come to Iran if they can for uh, a few days and then uh, they can judge after that. Uh, I also uh, would suggest them not to base their judgment on, the, on some things that they hear on the uh, media or some people who might be lying for their own uh, benefit. That's it for this edition of Making Contact. Thanks for listening to Reese Ehrlich's documentary, Iran Belongs to Its Youth. Special thanks to Riza Nobak and Amin Kodadadi for their translations. Reese Ehrlich received a grant from the Pulitzer Center on Crisis Reporting for his coverage of Iran. To find out more, visit our website at radioproject.org. That's also where you can download past shows and make a difference by supporting our work. Like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. Our handle is making underscore contact. The Making Contact team includes Lisa Redman, Juan Booth, Jasmine Lopez, and Marie Che. I'm Monica Lopez. Thanks for listening to Making Contact. <laughs>